Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are about to be trampled underfoot. Welcome back to Trampled Underfoot Podcast. We're live every Tuesday night, 6.30 Eastern, 9... <laughs> See that three-hour time difference messes with everybody. I was on your time. Yeah, you was. That's okay. What's, what's the real? <laughs> what's the- nine thirty, nine thirty Eastern, six thirty Pacific. What Mark said. And now is when I dropped the thing. You know, hi, I'm Mark. I'm Eloy. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Eloy. We're two guys from different decades, different backgrounds, and on opposite sides of the continent discussing life, the universe, and everything. What's the show about? About an hour. Trampled Underfoot. Welcome to uh, episode 107 of the Trampled Underfoot podcast. I I, I do want to mention a couple of things. Okay. So the first thing is that um, we've got an interesting episode coming uh, in a few moments here. Actually, we're involved in it right now, but we've got a topic and it's a funny thing because um, we do obviously offer the option to our listeners to leave us show suggestions in our Trampled Underfoot podcast Facebook page because we do have a Facebook page and all you have to do is type in Trampled Underfoot podcast on Facebook and um, you leave suggestions there. And we get so many suggestions we can barely, you know, keep up with them. But um, we decided to sort of like hone in on it and start, you know, processing some of the requests that we get. Um, and I'm telling you, it's just inc- it's crazy. You should go check it out and you'll see what we mean. Does it? Isn't that the case, Mark? It's nuts, man. It's nuts. It's nuts. <laughs> and, and the thing is that what we do on that page is that apart from the suggestions, we also post imagery and uh, video links and such of things that, you know, we talk about during the show here. So part of this is that we had one of so many suggestions and we just decided to break, you know, ranks and say, look, we're just going to focus on a suggestion. We won't mention who it was so that we keep Jim Dockrell out of, um, you know, the the whole, the whole mess. Don't want to bring attention to him. But he did suggest a topic and we'll get into that here in a little bit, uh, I just did want to mention that this is show number 107. And 107 is a strange number for me. I don't know if you're into numerology. Not at all. Me neither. However, with that said, I'm not into numerology at all. But 107 has been a number that has followed me around. I don't know if you've ever, if any of you guys out there have ever had like a, a reoccurring number that John Lennon had a reoccurring number, which was number nine. Number and a lot nine. of things in his life you could end up at number nine with. Maybe that's the topic for another show. Maybe we could look it up here and, and discuss it later. But he was quite aware of the number nine to the point that he actually wrote songs about it. I don't know if you were aware of that bit. 
I didn't know about that. No. Yeah. Well, um, long story short, number number one hundred seven keeps popping up all my life. When I least expect it, there's the number one hundred seven. It could be I could be walking somewhere and something will say one hundred seven. The road I, you know, my house number is that. When I was out traveling the country, it would pop up. It pops up all the time. And so I just wanted to say it's just a significant number, and uh, or it's an apparently reoccurring number. And I do know the flip side of that, which you would probably be thinking at this point, if I could get into your brain, uh, if I knew what you were thinking. Well, because I have a number that keeps... Now, let me ask you this about that. Do you relate that to anything spiritual, like an omen or, you know, uh, good luck or bad luck or something like that? Or is it just a number sequence that you keep seeing over and over? Just, and a, num- just a number sequence that I keep seeing over and over. Because something I have noticed with, since when digital clocks started getting more and more popular and we went from the old analog, the hands and this, that and the other, I started noticing over and over and over again. 1234 in the afternoon, one, two, three, four. Interesting. I'd be riding along in the car, not even paying attention and just look down at the clock and see one, two, three, four. (laughs) That's crazy. I'll walk from this room here off into the living room and glance over at the kitchen and the digital clock on the stove says one, two, three, four. It's just weird stuff like that. I'll be laying in bed and just roll over and look at the clock next to the bed and it's 1234 a.m. But I wonder how much of that is, that's an easy number sequence to remember, one, two, three, four, what's more basic. So I notice it when I see one, two, three, four, but I don't pay attention to all the times I see 348 or something like that. Right. But it's just for some reason, one, two, three, four stands out, but no other numbers stand out. Yeah. I mean, and I've thought of that. Which is what I expected that, that where you were the rationale of it, you know, where one would go, that it's just you're paying attention because it's that number that you've paid attention to. There is a subconscious thing to it, but I do want to say that 107 reappears uh, for me a lot, you know, and it's just that sort of thing. But, um, well, I was going to say it's kind of sort of like we always say, yes, celebrities die in threes or uh, home appliances break in threes. They do. No, I can no, promise you. No, they don't. Just when you get to three, you start counting over again. Mm. You say, well, you know, this guy died, and then this guy died, and then this lady died. Yeah, and then when you got to three, you started counting over again. You but started that's, to, that's you know, been going on forever. That whole concept of in threes starts to, and there is something to it. There are things that we don't look. There's math for a reason, and I know, yeah. I know it's on the speculation, but Jim Morrison when Janis Joplin had passed away and Jimi Hendrix had passed away in 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 sequence, mm-hmm. he would be at a bar and his friends would be there and he'd be saying, you know, you're drinking with number three. And he was right. But then people started counting again. See, who passed away before Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin is what I'm getting at. You know, there, if you go back and look throughout the year, there isn't a single year in which only three celebrities died. It's just you get to the third one and you start counting again. You well, start it over again. You reset your clock. There's a so. thing called the 27 Club. 
that that's different. That's completely different. And that is just that's that is a strange one. The people no, who see, that's not different. Show. Yeah, well, it is. You, no, well, that's okay. You're saying that's different in your mm-hmm. mind, in your calculation, but it falls under the same umbrella. Because you're just looking at numbers. Because you could do the same solution that you're using for the in three sequence, mm-hmm. um, as you could for the twenty one club. No, because twenty seven club. Because th- uh, that is a strange incidence that all these people died at age twenty seven. That it's arguable as to whether or not it was within their control or not. But we control. If eighteen people die over the course of a year. We say, look, six groups of threes. We never say, look, three groups of six. It still equals up to 18. It's in our mind that we say they die in groups of threes. It's not necessarily the case. There may be instances where, yes, three celebrities died in rapid succession. But if you look, there's probably just as many cases where five or four or six or two or a single celebrity died. I mean... You but, could you could you could fix it, and, but, you know. But the fact that Jimmy Janice and Jim Morrison all died at the age of twenty-seven, I believe Keith Moon was twenty-seven too, wasn't he? I'm that sure. is that is something that kind of stands out. You go, whoa, wait a minute, and, or machines break in groups of threes. Maybe, maybe not. I well, mean, but there's there's a reprise or there's a relief mm-hmm. moment after threes. Mm-hmm. It feels like. Like yeah. threes, yeah. it goes in threes. Like my my refrigerators, three uh-huh. went out, and there's a reprise until the next cycle. Two went out because you're still using the third one. Yes, you had to have it fixed. But in theory, you could argue that three went because literally three went out. You're sticking to three, so your three is satisfied. Well, no, because the third one <laughs> actually went out. Like the fact that it was fixed is 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 a different story. But the uh-huh. fact is that three went. So obviously, yeah. these are things are in the realm of like, you know, but people say these things because these are things that people notice things. It's kind of like what you were talking about or what we were talking about in a previous episode concerning the M- Mandela effect. People uh-huh. notice these similarities and then all the other times they don't notice the similarities and therefore it becomes an omen, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's so it appears that that's the case. I, I, it's I, a, a lot of it is psychological, I think, that we do to ourselves, because there are people who really honestly think that constantly seeing the number sequence one, one, one has some metaphysical meaning or some spiritual meaning. And I think we do that to ourselves. There is a case yeah. to be made, though, Mark, and I don't know if you've ever looked into it. But there's a case, and and Jim was mentioning something about the Trinity. There is a thing where in nature, threes are also, and I, I'm not like delving into it, like I don't know it off the, the the top of my head. Right. But there is like, for instance, there's a harmonious symmetry uh-huh. that occurs in nature as well, and there's something to do with threes as well. I mean, one could look, we could probably do a whole show on that if we investigate. But there's a thing about threes, and some of you guys out there might know about that. So there is something to to be said about these sequences. And everything is mathematics. I mean, everything is mathematics under the the hood. Mm -hmm. And we don't know it or see it necessarily, but there is some sort of 
mathematical thing to everything, apparently to some degree. I don't know. I if if you is. look into it far enough, you can apply mathematics to just about anything. Like for instance, if you take a, a handful of rice and you hold it above your dining room table and you uh, by about a foot up off the table and you open your hand and all that rice falls down onto the table. If you look hard enough, you will find groups of threes, but your mind will look for those groups of threes and you'll totally disregard the single grains, the twos, the fives, the eights, the thirties, the forty sixes and whatever. So what I'm, what my whole thing is, I, I'm, all I'm saying is a lot of this we do to ourselves. And then we're like, wow, look at that. See, it's it happened in threes. No, it didn't. Because what the, about the four guys before that? You know, the key word to what you said is a lot of that we do to ourselves is yeah. a lot of that. But by saying a lot of that, you are actually leaving. It appears that you're leaving a space for mm-hmm. the I unexplained. Am. I am because you can't explain everything. And anybody who thinks that they can explain everything is either lying to themselves or as a BS artist that's lying to you. And obviously you can't, I mean, you could do what you ever you want, generally speaking, but I don't think it would be reasonable for one to live in that world of threes. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause if you, if you stuck to just, I think it would be impossible. I think it would be just about impossible. If you stop and think about all the number, the number combinations that surround us, I, 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 I think it would be impossible. You could try. But just the most innocent thing, like we have two eyes and two ears. You can't live your life by threes knowing that you have two nostrils. Trampled underfoot. Which had absolutely nothing to do with anything we were going to talk about tonight. But that's cool. See, this is what I mean. Every once in a while, this is inside baseball. This is not the kind of stuff that you'll hear us talk about usually. We don't know what the other one is going to say. And sometimes there's a little bit of panic. We'll get on and go, okay, we're getting ready to go live. It's five minutes till. Have you got anything? And I'll go, nope. He'll go, oh, crap, I don't have anything either. And it's like, I'm not worried. I'm not concerned. We just did 15 minutes on numbers. That's <laughs> that's pretty much. But we, we, should, we should get to the uh, good stuff. So like we said earlier, we were dropped a uh, suggestion and we're usually – backlogged you know with you know looking through those suggestions over on our trampled under yeah trampled underfoot podcast page on the uh facebook well what's the topic that um was laid on our table mr jim dockerel who is out here in our mostly live chat right now here on youtube uh made a suggestion how about cover songs that most people would agree were better than the original or became more popular than the original and I'm going to throw my own little thing in here. Maybe cover songs you didn't know were covers and didn't know that they were done by somebody else originally. And I thought that was a very cool idea. And I come up with six of them right off the top of my head. So let's let's do this thing then. You know, let's not time's a waste and we might as well get well, into it, I think. One of them is very, very simple. One of them on my list anyway is very, very easy. And in fact, I kind of blew your mind with it once before in a previous episode. But that song by Harry Nilsson called Without You. Yeah. I can't live if living is without you. I can't live. I can't get, I can, I'm not even going to attempt because I can't get my voice that high. That was a cover. Now, everybody knows Mariah Carey covered it later on as well. But I Except thought. me. I didn't know that. I, ori- I, I really honestly thought that uh, that was a song that Harry Nilsson wrote. 
Well, it turns out it wasn't. That was a cover. It was done by originally by Badfinger in 1970. It was written by Tom Evans and Pete Ham. And I told you about that. And you were like, what? No way. And I had to find it on YouTube, send you a link for it. And you checked it out. And I was like, holy cow. I haven't. I don't. I can't read. I can't. Let's put it this way. I can't think of that song without thinking of Harry Nielsen. I can't do it. Me either. Me either. And, and I just knew that it was a Nielsen song until I kind of looked into it a little bit more. And I'm like, wait a minute. No, that is a cover. Yeah. But to me, he still did it the best. I I can't even think of the prior the the prior version of it. I I never heard it until I went back and looked for it and found it on YouTube. Well, I'll hit you with one. And this is through my research here, so very simple one as well. Bob Dylan did a little number called All Along the Watchtower, but guess what? Jimi Hendrix comes along and he did his version which was insanity. Insanity. I mean, for if you were to listen to that today, I mean, I don't see, I mean, just if you have any sort of respect for the past and, and the story and music and evolution of music and such, if you listen to Hendrix's All Along the Watchtower and the thing. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He does. With the song that Dylan did, I mean... It's night and day, so I would say that was an improvement on the original. It oh, was. I like it, the original too, but it was, not. and Dylan agrees with you because in fact he was so impressed with Hendrix's version, speeding it up, playing it at a faster tempo than Dylan ever mentioned ever imagined it to be. Dylan said that's how I'm gonna play it from now on. And that's what he did. He sped it up and pl- tried to keep the same tempo Hendrix did. So not only did did the, the world at large think it was a better version, Dylan did too, and changed the way he sang it and performed. Yeah. I've got one more to mm-hmm. cut into yours just to oh, see what ahead. you say, but it's a reverse. This one is known, but it mm-hmm. turned out crappier in my opinion. My opinion, because it's all about... I have a couple your- of those. <laughs> okay, well... Lenny Kravitz did, and by the way, Lenny Kravitz is a bad to the bone musician. Yeah. Bad he to is. the bone. He is. Are like you gonna him. go? Are you gonna go my way? Album when that came out in like eighty nine or ninety or whenever it came out. When I bought that album and listened to it, it was like he was reviving the the nineteen sixties rock and roll. If you ever sat through that album and with headphones and listened to what he does, he's a connoisseur of the good stuff. 
and I'm not talking the uh, the uh, Jamaican yeah. bacon. Uh, so the song is American Woman. Right. I do not. It's all right. Lenny Kravitz's version. Version. It's all right. Mm-hmm. But the the guess who? Yeah. The guy's voice and the rawness of it. Mm-hmm. I I don't think can, can be beat in my opinion. I'm very biased when it comes to this because from about the age of nine to about the age of 17, 16, the guess who was my absolute favorite group in the world. And I had everything they ever put out. I mean, it started when my dad brought home the album, share the land. And I went back and I found their old stuff. Some stuff I had to order because it wasn't released in the U S and it came in from Canada. Um, Wheatfield Soul and a whole bunch of the older albums. Yeah. So when he redid it, I listened to it and I didn't like it. I won't turn it off, but it just makes me go look for my Guess Who albums. Yeah, it's not. There's something missing from it. It's too. Yeah. It's too well packaged as far as audio. Mm-hmm. It's too together. It's not. There's not. I like when there's a little bit of 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 like. degradation in the audio um in the mixing process where the drummer's drumming and you can hear you know his knee hits the freaking side of the 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 drum and and just the ambience maybe somebody opens up a door in the background it was 60s 70s technology man yeah well i mean those little things make you feel like you're sitting maybe on a stool in the place where they're playing the music and you're Mm -hmm. enjoying it with you know but when they clean it up so well, and you know, and then there are songs that are that are like you could make the argument that like people like Pink Floyd, they're creating sp- soundscapes, and that doesn't fall in the same category as things like this. But for the raw rock and roll, I kind of want to hear a little bit of the 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 guitar creaking when when the guy rubs on the uh, the body of the guitar. I just I like that kind of stuff, and so whatever. I'm I'm okay with remastering music. I'm I'm okay with that because sound does degrade when you you know when you, when you're talking about making copies of copies of copies and copies for you know a generation the sound does degrade and I I do like remastering some of the old original stuff and bringing it back to life like it was meant to be heard but you know that's not what we're talking about now we're talking basically about covers and I see a comment over in the chat and we're talking about Bob Dylan and to me, this is another bias because I just don't like the band. The Guns N' Roses cover of Knocking on Heaven's Door, in my opinion, one of the worst covers ever made. Wow. I just it, doesn't, it doesn't hold the record. There is one that holds the record, which the, the person should be punished for a, even attempting to cover this tune. But And it's not it. But I, I don't like Axl Rose. And I just thought that it was a it was a massive mistake to try to cover that Bob Dylan tune. I cannot disagree with you enough. I cannot disagree with you enough. But at the same time, to me, Guns N' Roses from my era was a big deal. And in fact, they were a big deal worldwide. I mean, they were earth shattering and they were rock and rollers. Um, They were. The rock and roller is rock and roller, but you don't necessarily have that warm and fuzzy feeling for them in no, general. No, I don't. Um, 
but that song and that whole album, double album, in my opinion, is barely unbeatable. I'm sorry to tell you. I know. And by the way, that's not the only one that they covered. And, and this no, is I know opinion. that. They know covered. That. They also covered um, Paul McCartney's um, which was a showstopper. Dude, I went to see them New Year's Eve at the, the cusp of the 90s coming in and then it was it was over, dude. <laughs> and, 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 and Nirvana I, came out and they ruined everything. I gotta tell you, as much as I dislike Axl Rose, they did a good job with that tune. That was okay. It was just the whole vibe he tried to put down with knocking on heaven's door did not work. He was the wrong performer for that song. Just my opinion. Okay. And and I'm not one of those guys who thinks that, well, you can't take an iconic song like that and change it. You can't take an iconic song like that and change it around. No way. I think Dave Dremaine did a beautiful job with uh, The Sound of Silence. Destroyed. I hate it. I and loved I, it. I hate, I, to me, it's like what Doc was saying. I, I loved I mean, it. it. It's 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 what, what Jer, uh, Hildebrandt was saying. It, to me, that version of the sound, uh-huh. it's like, it's like too clean, too, you know, I like the, the original one where you could hear the hiss and the crackling of the tape and you but could hear them feeblish. It was a different time and it was a different feel. And I don't know who said it, but somebody said that the original Simon and Garfunkel served as a warning. Hey. It was slow. It was melodic. It was the warning. And Disturbed came along and added that voice, and that was a shout of anger that the warning hadn't been heeded. So I think you can remake, you can cover an iconic song like that. Uh, Ugly Kid Joe did The Cats in the Cradle, the uh, old Harry Chapin tune. I liked it. I loved that one, too. They did an excellent job because they approached it with respect, and I think that's the thing. Ugly Kid Joe approached the tune with respect. It was an iconic song. And I think that Disturbed approached the sound of silence with respect. No, no, no. I'm not saying that the respect. I, but I'm, I, I don't think that Axl Rose approached Knocking on Heaven's Door with respect. He did with Live and Let Die. No, and no, no. I think he did a good job with I, that. Dude, I could not disagree. I could not disagree with you completely with what you just said. I cannot. Com- I can I can sum it up with one word. No, 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 no. Don't. I can sum it up with one word. Because no, I'm going to disagree with you. I'm already not happy with what you're saying. <laughs> that word is yow. What, dude? You know what, dude? Listen, listen. Yow, yow, knock, knock, knock it on heaven. Get the cat out of the blender and turn that crap down, <laughs> dude. His voice, the idea of what he's doing. And by the way, you can make that argument with the voice. And I'm not here to defend actual rules. Guns and Roses. If Guns N' Roses, if you were to put them in the 70s, 60s, whatever era, mm-hmm. they were the they would be the premier, one of the premier, just because of everything. Dude, they were rocking. They were so rock and roll. It's not even funny. Now, with that said, you're mentioning his voice. I'm totally defending Guns N' Roses right now. Um, like I'm like totally like angry. Um, you may not like his 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 screech treble sort of voice, but just remember. That yeah, some people will not like that, but a lot of dude, th- 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 <laughs> I can't make any reasonable because it's all what yeah, because it's not reasonable. He's a Brian Johnson no, wannabe with a bandana. That, no, that's not what I was. That there's no, there's no way, there's no way. Look, there's no way in any lifetime 
as far as rock and roll, they are freaking it. Now, what I was going to say is that it's it's a personal taste thing, yes. what you're saying, but you could make that argument going back in time to just Bob Dylan himself with his voice. In my opinion, his original album, mm-hmm. he had two albums that were him on acoustic alone. Mm-hmm. Those were his best singing albums. After that, it all went to hell. I, I think you're right because he was too inconsistent. We've had this discussion before. You take a song like Knocking on Heaven's Door or Lay Lady Lay. The guy has a voice and can sing when he wants to. Yeah. He just doesn't want to very often, I guess. Trampled underfoot. The, the one cover I, I okay, we'll, we'll, we'll put Guns and Roses aside. The one cover that I, and I think the world agrees with me, was the biggest mistake ever made was Madonna attempting to cover American Pie. I never even heard that. She should be fined everything she ever earned before that album came out for even attempting to cover American Pie. Not her. Anybody but her. And that's how popular it went. You never even heard of it. No, I didn't. I swear. That's how popular it became. That's horrible. (laughs) Oh, my God. It was bad. So I'm going to throw one in that's on the balance of Mm. maybe – People would like the new ver- the, the cover version better, or um, people would like the original version better. But it's it's kind of like a, a balance. So in 1989 or 19, just when Pulp Fiction came out, th- there was a soundtrack to the Pulp Fiction um, movie, mm-hmm. and it was really awesome. The soundtrack was like, I mean, I don't know how many uh, sales, but it was a big deal. In that, there's a lot of great songs, but there was a band that covered um, Girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon by uh, Neil Diamond. Neil Diamond did that song really freaking bad to the bone awesome, but Urge Overkill, a band that, in my opinion, their whole, most everything I've heard from them, catalog of rock, to me is unlistenable, personally. I have, you know, respect because they're, you know, but like personally, I don't. But they did that one cover and did it to the max. I don't know if you ever heard that version of it. Uh, no, I I never did. I never really got into Urge Overkill, and I'm trying to think if I ever saw that movie. I don't think I ever saw them. <laughs> no, I didn't see Pulp Fiction, so I oh didn't. I didn't get the more people ranted and raved about how much they loved the movie, the more I knew I was going to hate it. So I didn't even bother. No, you see, you see that, that you're saying you might hate it. You might have hated it, but that, that you're saying, so here's the thing, because it's the popular thing. Oh, so everybody's popular. I'm not touching it. Right. No, 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 no. It's nothing to do with that. They just kept raving on and on about how great the movie was. Dude, I can, I'm still raving about it to this day. It yeah. changed my way of thinking about cinematography art. Mm-hmm. And, and and what it, it's involved, you know, when I sat, I went with my friend, hey, we're going to go watch Pulp Fiction. I didn't know what Pulp Fiction was. You know, it's Pulp Fiction it's supposed to be cool. And we all jumped in a freaking car and drove, mm-hmm. you know, like the freaking like it, like uh, like those old silent movies, you know, the clowns jumping in the car and then driving over. And we drove to our AMC cinema um, there by Midway Mall at the time or Mall of the Americas now that it's called. And we sat, I sat and to watch Pulp Fiction and I could not believe 
how he created the part of the story. He inter he spliced things to a point, and that had never really been to that level in popular film that I'm aware of, the way he did it. I did not understand what I had just watched. When I stepped out of the movie, that was the first time I remember, other than Star Wars, that I felt, and Star Wars, it's a funny thing because it's, you know, it's easy to understand, but you want to go see it because of the space stuff. Yeah, science fiction, you got to. But this movie, I said, I have to come and see this again so I can take in. I acknowledged in some subconscious way that the guy, the director, was doing something special for the audience, the observer. He was doing something and saying, we're leaving you little clues and little. It was a well done movie. It was a very impressionable movie. So I, I, I think that you should see it. I mean, it's, never saw it. <laughs> never it's, saw it's, it. it's, a must, it's a must watch, dude. You have to, no, here, here. So you'll never see it ever in your life. Mark, you have to see it, dude. You, you can't be part of the society if you haven't seen that. Sure, I can't get off my lawn. Funny that you mentioned a Neil Diamond song because that's on my list too. Oh, okay. UB40 did Red Red Wine, which was a cover of Mm -hmm. Neil Diamond's. Now, I'm not going to sit there and say UB40's version was better. I like them both. I think they approached the tune with respect, but they kind of changed it up and put it to that reggae beat, and it just fits. It's like the song was written to be performed reggae. Neil Diamond was a dynamite performer, man. I'm going to say that that's another one that I had not ever heard coming up, you know, and listening to stuff in the 80s and into the... I had never really heard back then the Neil Diamond version, and I heard it later. And it's it's a great freaking version, and it's sexy version. It's really good. But I remember driving or my mom driving to go get cigarettes, you know, come on, son, I'm going to go get cigarettes. Come with me. Like she'd do that a lot. And I jump in the car and drive. And then I, I didn't want to get out or anything. So I'd sit in the thing and, Oh mom, leave the keys in the car. So I turn on and pump up the, the, the radio scanning through the, the rock channels and um, stations and um, see channels like YouTube. I was scanning through YouTube. I was ch- scanning through the radio and boom, I heard, Red, red, and the sonic perfection of the UB40 version, I was struck. I like both versions, the Neil Diamond version and that version. I think they're both done. Um, it just depends on the mood, man, because the UB40 version kind of gets you going, where the Neil Diamond version kind of brings you down and settles you down. I don't mean brings you down in a bad way. I mean, it kind of, you know, relaxes you and kind of let's back up. Let's take a breath here. Yeah. But the UB40 version just kind of gets you going a little bit and say, yeah, okay, here we go. All right. I have one. And this one is, it's a funny one because the original was pretty bad to the bone. And I think that the follow-up was as good. But some people would disagree. And that's I Shot the, Sh- the Sheriff, originally by Bob Dylan and then redone by. It is Ryan here. And I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. 
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Clapton. You sure you don't mean Bob Marley? Who did I say? You said Bob Dylan. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Uh, I like them both equally. It just depends I, on the mood. It yeah. just depends on the mood. I mean, a little bit of Bob Marley goes a long way with me. But I can listen, you know, No Woman, No Cry, I Shot the Sheriff, uh, Jammin', whatever. It's not something I seek out. Yeah. But if it comes on, I can get into it. But I, I, I've been a fan of Eric Clapton for a long time, so. Yeah. But for years, for years, I'd never heard of Bob Marley because it wasn't my style of music. It's not something I went and looked for. And so I did not know it was a cover until I was in my 30s. And I was like, oh, crap, Bob Marley did that. All right. I didn't know Bob Marley from that song. I mean, Bob Marley, like his whole career sonically, because I, you know, you listen to these things and you're like, these guys, and obviously they were taken over they did it in in jamaica but they recorded as well in england their way of mixing things whoever did the whatever the case was with that was light years beyond just tonally in your in your face music it was well produced there's lacking people that bands that have lacking sort of like sonically it's kind of shrill or like lacking a little bit of the bottom and this reggae music was like perfectly freaking done it was impressive stuff but uh clapton did it justice big time the the thing i liked about marley was every everybody up on stage with him everybody that recorded with him knew exactly what they were doing now it may or may not have been your style of music but everybody up there playing with him knew exactly what they were doing they were technically good they were sonically good and you you can be the world's greatest pianist and be able to hit every single key and note just right, but have absolutely no soul. So you're playing the notes, but you're not playing the music, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Everybody that played and sang with Bob Marley played music. Yeah. They knew exactly what they were doing. They did it very well. And you could tell that they were enjoying themselves. Yeah, man, there, there there was a magic to that. Um, it was hard hitting. St- I mean, it, it's a they were really good. And the only other band I can think of that, uh, well, there's two other bands that I can think of that had that quality with every performance that I've ever seen, and that was Queen and the early Doobie Brothers with Tom Johnston before Michael McDonald came along. They knew exactly what they were doing. They did it very well, and they enjoyed the hell out of what they were doing. Yeah, they did. Re- they had. They did have an incredible. The Doobie Brothers, Sonic. There's this sort of like roundness, perfect sort of like musical um, engineering that occurs in some bands, and 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 the Doobie Brothers did have that quality. I mean, just little things like the song "Listen to the Music." Yeah, with a little bit of banjo in the background. You won't. You you're not sitting there thinking, "I need banjo for this," but you would miss it if it wasn't there. Yeah. 
you know, just little things like a little bit of a guitar lick just in the right, in the left mix, just kind of off in the distance. He kind of hits a couple of high notes. It's like, oh, well, I hear you over there. All right. A tambourine here, just little things that they would throw in that you're not looking for, but you would miss it if it wasn't there. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to throw this one at you. Okay. Which one did you like better? We're going to talk about Ike and Tina's Proud Mary versus CCRs. That's another one of those I can't I can't decide, you know, because it depends on the mood. If I'm in a slower, more mellow mood, then give me CCR. But if I'm in a put your foot on the gas pedal and let's get to the next exit, give me Ike and Tina Turner. You can't beat either one. It's like they yeah. all they both have their thing mm-hmm. and Ike and Tina did it did, I mean, they freaking, I mean. And she wailed. That woman can sing. And yeah. that's all there is to it. And the CCR version is is pretty bad to the bone the way they, they do it as well. It's got its own sort of vibe. It's way different than the Tina version. But um, I don't know, man. Um, that's but a tough one. John Fogarty has that voice as well, man. He's got that rasp to his voice. And he goes all in. He comes in with guns blaring. You know, he knows when to back off and do it mellow, but he comes in with guns blazing and there's no holding back with those vocals. So for him to do something smooth and mellow like Proud Mary, it was like, okay, all right. Of course, everybody knows I will always love you. Whitney Houston pulled off the impossible. And that was she took a Dolly Parton song and she made it hers. It was written and first performed by Dolly Parton, and it was a hit. But then Whitney had that voice that just took it straight to the top. Not my style of music. She is not my style of music. I've never owned a Whitney Houston album. But you cannot deny that she did it. She, she, It was the impossible. She made that song hers. I bought the single of that. Did you? Okay. Yes, because it was so... and. I was a rocker, but that song was so it if it punches through the um the sort of like if it punches through and reaches and, and you can hear that the the sentiment and feeling is there that the magic is that song and her play, performing that was one of it doesn't matter what genre at that point it's beyond genre and to me, her version of that was that. Um, and I didn't own a single Houston song. You also have to oh. think about, you You mentioned the big word, and that was the sentiment of the song, because Dolly wrote it and performed it for Porter Wagner, because for years and years and years, it was Dolly Parton and Porter Wagner. And then she left Porter Wagner's show, and she wrote that song and performed it for him. That was her message to him. I will always love you. Yeah. Very awesome. And this is not to take a thing away from her at all, because the song was a major hit for her. Mm -hmm. And back in the day when that happened, there were a lot of hearts broken when she left that show. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, holy cow, Porter Wagner without Dolly Parton, that's like pancakes without syrup. That's like, you know, the, 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 the day without sunshine. You've got to have those two together. And then when she left, I mean, so there was a sentimental attachment to it. And a lot of people got cheesed off when she, when Whitney Houston covered that tune. She not only took a sentimental favorite, she owned it. Yeah, I, I have to, I'm, I mean, I'm telling you, man, she I, did. 
I mean, her, she just knocked it out. Of, and I'm not a Whitney Houston, like me either, but it was, you can't deny the talent. No, you, you, you can't. I mean, it was really well done. And that was actually for a movie called The Bodyguard. The Bodyguard yeah. I'm going to throw this one at you and I'll see what you think about this one. Okay. Classic song, either way you, you look at it, but performed by two bands. Same story as what we've been going through, but, um, the Isley Brothers or the Beatles version of Twist and Shout. That's on my list too, because. Neither one of those were the originals. It was originally done in 1961 by a group called the Top Notes. Oh, that's cool. Then the Isley Brothers did it in 62, and then the Beatles did it in 63. I have never heard the Top Notes version, so I don't know what it's about. I I don't know what they bring to the table. The Isley Brothers, I've got a soft spot for them. I've always liked the Isley Brothers. The Beatles, you just can't deny it. No, I, 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 yeah, it's freaking Now, most people have probably, there are probably more people that have heard the Beatles version than have ever heard the Isley Brothers version. But the Isley Brothers version was a very popular tune. Yeah. I'm 59 years old. I have never heard the Top Notes version. So <laughs> I'm going to have to go find it and listen to it. Yeah, that, that's that's a good thing. I, I, I agree with you. Both versions kick butt, man. I mean, there's there's not if you haven't heard either or you should check it out, because I, to me, it's it's one of those things where it's either or they have their their strong points. Trampled underfoot. I'll throw this one at you. Oh, wait, it's your turn, right? I, I've been throwing stuff. Oh, I just, oh, OK. No, you're fine. Everything's cool. Um, But I'll throw one at you that maybe you knew, maybe you didn't know. Okay. I love rock and roll, Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. That was a cover. Who did it? Originally done in 1976 by a band in the UK called The Arrows. Okay. And it was a hit over in the UK, but it didn't come over here and it didn't do really anything here. But it was pretty big in the UK. But Joan Jett, somebody in her entourage heard it. She covered it and launched her into fame i had no idea that that was a cover i thought that that was an original so did you hear the original i have heard the original and it's sung from a guy's perspective of course and it just sounds a little bit different coming from a guy than it does from joan jett right it's it's very much it's very much the same style it's a little bit different vibe i think the arrows version was a little more uptight Okay. It, they were, it, it, it seems to me like they were trying to be retro before retro was cool. Oh, really? I gotta, but I gotta listen to it because that's interesting. It, it, it's different. It's just different enough to where you'd go, yeah, no, I don't think so. And I think Joan Jett did a much better job with that particular song. I'm gonna bypass for a moment the one I had lined up because Jim Dockrell put one that I think that is, um, he did a double shot that I'll go ahead and um, and offer up. So the Beatles are the Beatles, period. And the story, you know, on a catalog, you know, category of their, their, you know, of their own. But with that said, if you were to compare, and <laughs> this will probably be troublesome for you, um, particularly because of the visuals. I, I don't know. I'll see what you say. But with a little help from my friends by Joe Cocker, his cover of the Beatles song. I love the Beatles, frickin', that's it, Sergeant Pepper, Bad to the Bone. 
but Cocker reinvented it, giving it soul, whereas the Beatles are in the psychedelia dripped. But Cocker took it and made it into a soulful, just mm-hmm. like he did with She Came In Through the Bathroom Window, just the same thing he did with it. He gave it soul, and it was a respectful thing. It just, I love Joel Cocker's version of Beatles songs, bar none, beyond this planet, you know, into space. Well, I'm going to freak you out and agree with you. I, I like them both. It wow. depends on the vibe I'm after because Cocker did put a lot of soul into it. He slowed it down and gave it a bluesy feel. And that I think that's what the tune needed. And when you're in that kind of mood for that kind of vibe, it's an excellent tune to put on. The Beatles, their version, the Be- like you said, the Beatles are the Beatles. Take the lyrics away. The Beatles version is happier and peppier and yeah. bouncier. So if you're in that kind of mood and you want that vibe, go for the Beatles version. But if you want to slow it down, Joe Cocker all the way. He added some some vibe, some soul into it because Joe Cocker's discipline was in line with the uh, R&B of Americana, you know, American music. Uh, He was more a student of that, even though the Beatles were too, but the Beatles were so psychedelic drenched that the element of the soul like the prolonged um vocal you know whatever's mm-hmm. so i just i like both versions well you said to him one time when i was talking about joe cocker looking like he was having a fit on stage yeah. you said that he kind of channeled ray charles yeah and if you take joe cocker's version of a little help from my friends you could imagine ray charles singing that song that style that way so if he was channeling ray charles he did it yeah he did it he 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 did a good job well well jim just said well the beatles version is a bit more bubblegum and i'll agree in terms of the um the 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 sort of like the tempo of it and the the spaces between the musical parts are more crunched together when you have R&B, you have spaces in between. Like they always say, you know, uh, like when you talk about like soul music and this and that, you know, the music is in the black keys. They'll say you've heard things like that said in the past. If you read music books and stuff like there's these this whole thing, like the, the blackness of of music and this and that where they give it the soul variation. The Beatles were, again, in a psychedelia where the soul thing can totally be possible but they were working with musical layering and stuff. So they were focused on that at that point. Um, although they did have the soul, but they didn't explore it. Joe Cocker was like a truer. They weren't trying to be soul. They weren't trying to project soul with that song. It was happier. It was peppier. It was bouncier. I don't think it was bubblegum because it was too long of a tune. I don't think it was ever meant to be released as a single. You know, it, it didn't target the market the bubblegum tried to. Maybe it had a little bit of a bubblegum feel, yeah. but it, it was it was just happier. It, you if, know? if you think about acid, if you think about psychedelic, the actual chemical right. shifting of a person's brain, which they were somewhat involved in to some degree, and the music, you know, re- refers to it and stuff in, in subliminal ways and stuff, they are taking snapshots and i'm serious about this they are these songs are snapshots of visual audio mental imagery childhood regression um it's a psych it's a mind expanding experience where 
you could be an adult and you're thrust into this, you know, situation where you're 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 a little kid in a playground in strawberry fields or you're pushed well, forward into like this tunnel that's a vapor lock of space well, and time, you know, and so they were exploring so it wasn't you, like the soul. But you can pick that up in some of the songs on that album, but I don't get that vibe from help, Little Help from My Friends. I get that from Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds and a few other tunes. Yeah, but but see but, but I don't pick that up I don't pick up that vibe from a little help from my friends. It's it's happy, it's peppy. It's but it's bouncy. there. But it's see, but it's there. And and, and let me explain. Well, let me explain. Some of the lightning is there. But well, I but let me explain this because I, I want to get this out. So so the the weirdness of mind expanding psychedelia that people usually associate with psychedelia, where it's mind expanding and monsters are coming out of the and then maybe that there's also a thing of there's the calmness after the storm and then so you're 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 traveling through this insanity and then all of a sudden you're in a pleasant place it's part of the trip or the mind expanding journey but it's like like little highs and lows so the album plays out especially for like the druggies of of the the time and throughout you know okay, but we're not talking after. about the album we're just talking about the one tune <laughs> but but see that no, but you, you, I mean, you shouldn't do that with it because that album was created as a um, rock opera. It was like the first rock. So it's not, so if you take it as just one tune and with, without all that, then you can say, oh, that's just a happy song and this and that. But that's not, and that's what I was doing because we were comparing the original to the cover. Right. But it, but in the context of what they were doing, the Beatles, yeah, I, there's I more it. to it than just that is what I'm saying. I get it. I, I was. Heard, Get it? I was there in the '60s and '70s in the San Francisco Bay Area. Believe me, I was in Ground Zero. <laughs> yeah. my, my main point is to say that happy. Um, it, it doesn't lack psychedelia. You could have a Pleasantville 1950s sort of like you know the neighbors bring you hot you know apple pie and kids are playing, but it's slightly it's it's normal I, I, and I, perfect. I know. I was there. Yeah, I but, get it but nudged into this. And so that, that's why I don't, you know, so the bubble gum, you know, I can see what, what, what Jim is saying, but I'm not necessarily saying. Yeah. I, I, I don't necessarily, I don't really see a lot of bubble gum to that. And maybe that is the psychedelia that you're talking about, but uh, I think so. I think there's something to be said about I, it. It was a, it was a happier, bouncier version of the song where Joe Cocker's was slower, deeper, and more soulful. Yeah. And, yeah. um, you know, I, like I said, it depends upon the vibe that I'm after. I like them both. You know, I can't, I can't shoot either one of them down. I don't dislike Joe Cocker. It just surprised me to see him the first few times that I saw him. Cause it's like, wait a minute, that is coming out of that guy. Yeah. But while we're on that kind of a subject, um, see now when, when you say certain singers, Joe Cocker, my brain goes to Woodstock because that was the first time I saw him. Okay. And that was the first time I heard a little help from my friends because he was in the movie doing that tune. The next one on my list was Black Magic Woman by Santana. And it's already been mentioned over there in the chat. Yeah. That I was in my late 30s before I even discovered that Black Magic Woman by Santana was a cover. And that the original was done by, of all groups, the original version of Fleetwood Mac. 
It's a Peter Green tune. And Peter Green just passed away um, either late last month or early this month. I didn't know that. But if you go back and you listen to it, um, and in fact, I'll put my list over on the Trampled Underfoot podcast Facebook page, the list of the tunes that I came up of covers that either I didn't know were covers or that uh, surprised me as being covers. Cool. And uh, we've got Black Magic Woman. I'll put the link to the Fleetwood Mac version. Without You by Badfinger. I'll put that link over there. I Love Rock and Roll by The Arrows. Red Red Wine by Neil Diamond. Twist and Shout by The Top Notes. I'll put that put them all over there on the Trampled Underfoot Podcast Facebook page. Go to Facebook and type in Trampled Underfoot Podcast. And and I'll I'll, I'll put Pulp Fiction the movie um, for Mark to uh, have the option to check out. I've never seen a page get closed down before. Well, okay, yeah. <laughs> so let's see. We're sitting at a little over an hour. I have one more. How about you? I'm. I'll listen to the one you you have, and then we can make uh, the 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 rounds to to home. And uh... this one surprised me because I had no idea it was a cover until earlier this year. I really had no idea this was a cover, and that is "Dazed and Confused" by Led Zeppelin. I knew that it was a cover. I had no clue. I really had no idea. Yeah. Now. A lot of people will say, well, that wasn't really a cover. It was done originally in 1967 by a guy named Jake Holmes. Jimmy Page saw Jake Holmes live do the song at least twice, and the tune stuck in his head. And he took Jake Holmes's lyrics, changed them, rewrote them, but kept the rhythm, the notes, everything. Robert Plant did the vocals, John Bonham on drums, John Paul Jones on bass. They did Dazed and Confused and released it, never once mentioning Jake Holmes. And several lawsuits were filed and finally was settled. All Holmes wanted was a writer's credit. and Page wouldn't do it. It finally settled out of court. But I had absolutely no clue that that was a cover. But if you go listen to the original Jake Holmes video, and I'll put that on uh, the Trampled Underfoot podcast Facebook page. If you go listen to it, there is no doubt in your mind that that is a cover. Led Zeppelin's initial offerings. It's a weird situation with Led Zeppelin because they totally, throughout their early career, took and remolded in their heavy rock fashion a bunch of songs that already existed. Um, and they credited some and others seemed like borderline. Did they take that from that song? Like stairways, stairway to heaven and this and that. But Zeppelin is weird in, in that. I don't care that they, that they, that they bite off of, um, other, I just, they're so dang good at what they do and how they do it. It's almost like they own it because. I if they do it legally, if they do it legally and ethically, that's all I asked. I'm not saying that I don't like the song Dazed and Confused. I'm just saying it was stolen. Dude, it, no, it was, but that's not the, I mean, there's other, you know, look, Zeppelin, that's the thing. They did a lot of, but here's the thing about Zeppelin. They did a lot of these covers in their early times, but they were feeding these new offerings into their, that was not of this, not, there is no, I don't know any other 
rocker out there that would have thought of creating what Jimmy Page with the rest of the band created. They You're, were originals. And right. So, so, yeah. No, but what I'm saying is that on on the they're weird because on the one hand, they're totally swiping some, you know, things that are like out there. And on the other hand, they're creating this magic that's like and so it's it's a weird situation with Led Zeppelin, but I Zeppelin is beyond it's beyond. It's they're beyond, dude. They're beyond. Just, just do it legally and ethically, that's all. Well, yeah, that's I mean I mean that's all you they know? had to do, but uh, but they, yeah. they they I mean I don't want to say I excuse them, but it's like they freaking Because take you know, people do covers all the time. I mean we we've, we've just spent an hour talking about just some of the some of the covers. I mean, there were a million covers out there, but they did it the right way. They got permission. They, you know, writer's credit where credit was due. I mean, maybe they had to pay a little bit of a licensing fee or what have you. But you're giving you're giving the guy that did the song originally. You're giving the guy lifeblood because that guy is gonna is gonna earn money from it and and all sorts of dividends. You know, so it's a good thing to do. Yeah, and it's the right thing to do. You don't just steal from someone. You know, it's the right thing to do, but they were, you know, yeah, they, understood. Um, so I, I want to throw in, you know, because Billy, so uh, Billy mentioned Mr. Tambourine, Mr. Tambourine Man. Now, wait, that's not what Billy Jim mentioned that. So I totally, um, so we'll we'll, we'll we'll hold on to Mr. Tambourine Man. Let me go to to Billy's, and then we'll come back to Mr. Tambourine very briefly. He 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 mentioned House of the Rising Sun. As far as I know, the original is actually a traditional song that no one knows who wrote it. Correct me if I'm wrong. And then the, I think it was the animals. Was it the animals? It was the animals. Yeah. The animals did the version they did, which kicks butt, no doubt. But I don't know who the original people, it's like a traditional song. I think there's no copyright to it. There are a lot of uh, tunes like that. Um, look at Metallica with whiskey in a jar. That's a traditional Celtic tune. I've heard so many different versions of that song, but people think that, you know, Metallica just kicked butt with that song. That was a great tune. Well, it was, I don't know if you'd call it a cover or not. It's just a version of a traditional tune. So the other one was Jim, Jim mentioned, uh, um, Mr. Tambourine Man. The, um, birds version of it is freaking awesome. I, I really, I like the way it's, and then the Bob Dylan's version, I think it's badass too. It's a much more controlled, you know, but I like it. It's, 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 it's kind of whimsical and Bob Dylan-ish and he does sound good in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like both versions to be honest with you. I, I kind of think I like Dylan's version better for a lot of the same reasons that you mentioned before it's just Dylan with the acoustic guitar singing yeah. and playing and nothing else, nobody else. And it, it's, there are flaws, there are errors. Maybe he mutes a note that he shouldn't have. And maybe his voice isn't as steady as it could be. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like a flaw in a piece of fine leather. You're, yeah. willing, you're willing to overlook that because if you look at the whole, I, I, you know, the birds did a very good job. I've always, always liked Roger McGuinn on that 12 string guitar. Yeah. But 
I still think I kind of like Dylan's version a little better. It just depends on the mood that I'm in. I think that uh, the uh, the bird's version is a little happier. Oh, yeah. And Dylan's is a little more melancholy. Yeah, Dylan's is more like like the juggler or clown at a festival the morning after sitting there while people are picking up the tents and ready to move to the next town. And he's sitting there singing the song with a ukulele or something like that saying, Hey, Mr. Tambourine, man. You know, I like that because it's, it gives you a snapshot picture. The other one is more pop, you know, and whatnot. It's more finished. It's a little more refined, but listen to Dylan's version. You really can picture yourself walking down along the beach down totally. the boardwalk and everything and he's sitting there with a hat in front of him totally stool playing yeah oh, wait, I, I, somebody to throw a quarter in the hat you know yeah that's the imagery yeah that's exactly it you know i i do want to i do want to throw in so quiet riot um what's the song that they did come on feel the noise right um and slade the okay. slade version was the original and the quiet riot version was the um the cover what, do you remember that one? I, I've never heard the Slade version. That was, that was, we're, we're into the hair metal 60s or 70s, or yeah, 80s. So yeah. I just, well, um, Slade was a badass. I don't know if you sat through Slade's like catalog. I, just, no, I've heard one of their tunes, Run, Run Away. Okay. You know, it was just kind of there for me. I, it wasn't my style of music. They, their music catalog is pretty freaking neat. Like their whole, I, I like that band. Slade is pretty cool. And so if I had to pick between bo- both versions, I think that that's another situation where it's both in the same, like it's balanced perfectly. Like, you know, you could take one or the other and they're both badass. So it's not something that I would say like, oh, the freaking, you know, uh, Quiet Riot version was such a crappy. You know, I can't say that either or they, they were good. So that, you know, I, I do want to mention that we are sponsored by Harneal Media. That's... um harneelmedia.com that's steve nealon over at harneelmedia.com and uh they sponsor us so uh if you need a website you need a web store you need uh to uh put products out with your logo on it things of that nature it's a personalized service probably more so than your traditional big brand big box store on the internet sort of like services so you might want to go over there and check it out and let steve know what you need so that's Steve Nealon over at harneilmedia.com. And we also do these shows, if I can get it right this time, every Tuesday. That's 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time and 6.30 p.m. Western Time or West Coast Time, Pacific Coast Time. And you can check us out. We have a website, trampledunderfootpodcast.com, as well as... On Spreaker, we have two shows come out um, every Tuesday. Every Tuesday. Let's not forget the Trampled Under pod. Uh, trampled Under. See, now I'm going to do it. See, you did perfect. <laughs> you did, you, you know, you, you went through it all. You, you did the entire thing. And I can't even say Trampled Underfoot podcast on Facebook. <laughs> I can't say it. So I'm not going to say it. I, I did want to touch on one more thing before we leave, though. Yeah. And that is, as we record this, it's August 25th the year 2020 mm-hmm. uh it's a tuesday thursday august 27th will be the 30th anniversary of the death of stevie ray vaughn oh wow 30 years 30 years 
Jeez. He was 35 years old, um, was killed in a helicopter crash, leaving a performance at, uh, in uh, Alpine Valley, and is sorely missed. Um, I've been kind of binge watching a few Stevie Ray Vaughan biographies and what have you. I'm knee deep in uh, Live at El Macombo <laughs> and uh, just kind of following that rabbit hole for a while. So, you know, God bless you, Stevie. So. Very cool. Yeah. Um, I, that's a long time and it's unbelievable. Um, if you've not watched Live at El Macombo, it's from beginning to end, just enjoyable. It's, it's one of the best. I prefer it more than big concerts. Yes. You're absolutely right. I'll give it 100%. Uh, and he does some of the best performances he ever did. Yeah. You know, on that stage. I and think so stage. too. Yeah. And what I mean by big, big, big concerts, not that I mean size wise, let's just get that straight. Like it's more like personal. Speaking of covers, Stevie Wonder or Stevie Ray Vaughan superstition? Stevie Ray Vaughan. I like them both, man. <laughs> I like them both, man. <laughs> Depends on the vibe. <laughs> uh, and in fact, there was one cover I saw. It was Stevie Ray and Stevie Wonder and Salt and Peppa all playing together. They did it all together and they traded off verses. It was dynamite, man. It was fantastic. Anyway. All right. So, guys. Go ahead and check us out over there on the Trample Underfoot podcast page on Facebook and leave us see like we did with this one. I really enjoyed this episode and I enjoyed the fact that that the audience participated by sort of steering us into a conversation. So if you have something and hit us with it, whatever craziness, because the cool thing is that we get to explore a topic that we would otherwise not think of. We got to get out of here. Yeah, we do. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. This was a great show, and thanks for being out there.